This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. The prevailing impression of Google and digital signage is that the tech giant came briefly into the sector a few years ago, made some noise, and then quietly left. But the reality is that the tech giant has continued to be active in digital signage, and there are numerous screen networks out there running on Chrome OS devices through different CMS software vendors. Then there's Android, the Google-developed operating system used on a pile of smart displays and separate playout boxes. But now Google is again getting visibly active in the digital signage and related kiosk ecosystem, extending an existing program called Chrome Enterprise Recommended to software vendors who use Chrome OS. It's also introduced a Chrome OS device management license for narrow purpose uses like screens and kiosks that works out to just a touch more than a couple of bucks a month. And there's Flex, an application that can extend the life of a Windows box by running Chrome and enable screen networks using a blend of playback hardware. I think a lot of the early interest in Google back in 2015 was with the relatively low prices of the software and hardware. These days, it likely has much more to do with scale, manageability, and security. I spoke with Naveen Viswanatha, Google's product lead on Chrome OS. Naveen, thank you for joining me. What's your role at Google? Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I am the Chrome OS uh, product lead for our solution areas. And so our solution areas uh, include virtualization, uh, contact center, and very recently, um, we've beefed up our kiosk and digital signage solution area. Okay. And are you at the main campus out in uh, Silicon Valley? I am indeed, yeah. Right here in, uh, in the heart of the main campus in Mountain View. Mountain View. Uh, how long have you been with Google? Been with Google, wow, uh, sixteen years. So uh, sometime, uh, and and haven't been spending the whole time in Chrome OS. That's uh, I've been in Chrome OS for about seven years, I believe. Yeah. Okay, so you're you're almost a lifer in, in Google terms. <laughs> I guess so. It seems like that. Uh, we're going to talk about Chrome OS. Can you give me a sense of the installed base globally for Chrome OS? I don't need like today's number, but just like a it's many millions, right? Yeah, we don't break out specific details, but yeah, it's it's in the it's in the millions, and you know that that kind of spans, I would say, three broad areas. Um, uh, education is is one area, um, so students and student Chromebooks and boxes, consumer, and then enterprise, and and you know within enterprise, that's where my focus is in the solution space. Right. So um, so yeah, that that that's that's kind of how we uh, we look at the overall market. But yeah, it's it's seen a tremendous amount of growth, especially in the last several years. Yeah, well, the pandemic really uh, put a push on Chrome for education, right? It, it did. I, I would actually say that it it um, it in, increased an already healthy appetite for Chrome right. devices within the education space. We. 
I actually used to be part of the education team. And so um, we went from devices that were primarily purchased by schools and districts to um, devices that we're now starting to see adoption in the home. And, and that was the kind of recent trend that we saw over the course of the pandemic is really devices being used in the home remote uh, for, for delivery of curriculum. Would that be driven in part by just the simple fact that the kids are learning at home now and the parents are seeing the Chromebooks and thinking, okay, these, these are perfectly workable laptops? That, that's that's entirely right. Uh, and, and in addition to that, you know, some of the unique capabilities allow students to use their education profiles. So the same profile that they use on their Chromebooks at school, they can log into a personal Chromebook at home and all of their uh, you know, data, all of their bookmarks or the applications, everything is synced to them pretty uniquely. And so that, that ability of having this kind of floating cloud profile uh, was another reason that uh, it became really easy to simply adopt Chrome device hmm. at home. Okay. So on the enterprise side, uh, you know, this is a digital signage podcast. We talk about digital signage. Uh, I assume that uh, relative to education and to consumer, the uh, percentage of the installed base that's for digital signage kiosks would be still pretty small, right? It's it's smaller. It's growing though, and and I think that's in, in fact I would actually say that um, we saw a lot of acceleration, arguably more acceleration in the broadly in the enterprise space over the pandemic, um, in terms of growth you know, relative to the other other uh, verticals I was talking about, and a lot of that had to do with unique capabilities of Chrome that aligned really really well with some of the challenges that businesses had during the pandemic to really maintain business continuity, uh, whether that was you know, remote work, uh, whether that was increased concerns around security mm -hmm. due to being remote, uh, data protection uh, due to being remote. Uh, these are all things that Chrome OS was really uh, designed for. And so over the course of the pandemic, we saw a huge acceleration um, in these trends. And as a result, um, you know, Chrome OS was, was really the platform and endpoint of choice for uh, many organizations. Yeah. When I, I wrote last week about the announcement that, of the, uh, the re recommended track for kiosk and digital signage, I, I, I said that Google made a big splash in the digital signage space in 2015. They took a big booth in the middle of uh, the primary trade show for the industry and had all kinds of people looking at that booth and going, oh, interesting. These guys are involved. I wonder what that means and will they take over and so on. And didn't really happen. Uh, th there would be suggestions that uh, Google got into the space and then got out of the space. But what I wrote was basically maybe they kind of stepped back a little bit visibly, but they've always or they've continued to be in the digital signage and kiosk space and have a pretty decent footprint that isn't uh, well known. Is that, is that a fair statement? I think that is a fair characterization. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, as, as we've seen the trend over the course of the last couple of years, um, some of the trends that I was talking about with regards to the pandemic, you know, that, those trends around moving to cloud and web are significant. Uh, those trends of moving to remote and hybrid work are significant. Uh, increased data protection and controls are significant. And, and that primarily, those three things kind of really accrue primarily to end user computing. So, you know, Chrome, Chromebooks and Chromeboxes used by employees. 
But in addition to that, and I think this is kind of ties back to your, your point, um, we did see a lot of interesting trends as people started rem- you know, moving back into physical spaces. So increased expectations from customers for self-service options, uh, increased expectations from employees for more engaging physical environments when they do return to the office. And, and these kind of latter two trends are unique to kiosk and digital signage. So that's where we started um, really leaning more into this business that we have had uh, for some time, as you mentioned, but um, really kind of on the backs of what our customers and our partners were doing and what we we're seeing as, as, as broader trends. We really wanted to lean into this area and really help drive more growth and uh, drive more value into the overall ecosystem. And so recently we have um, really beefed up our efforts around kiosk and digital signage. You know, when you work in a, in a very niche industry like digital signage, you, 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 you have this distorted idea that it's actually a pretty big industry, but in, in the, uh, the overall scheme of things, it's tiny. And I, I wondered if Google, uh, you know, going back a few years, looked at digital signage and continued to look at it and thought, this is interesting stuff. Uh, signage and kiosks is, is, you know, it's got some possibilities, but it's so small compared to like education. Uh, how, how much focus have you put on it? Yeah, I think that's a fair fair question. Um, the, the reality, I think, is that we we've always maintained that we want to be an enterprise computing platform, mm-hmm. and and when I, I enterprise commercial anything that requires a business or an organization or an NGO or a government to purchase you know devices and kind of be the primary buyer. So it's a very broad space, and over the last several years, um, we have endeavored to really beef up our capabilities around end user computing that was somewhat timed coincidentally with the pandemic and mm-hmm. so that was kind of an area of focus for us uh you know starting in 2018 19 really to, to emphasize these focuses on, on these solution areas as i was mentioning uh to really go after distinct sections of the enterprise market and then you know very recently starting to invest in kiosk and digital signage again uh, because we're starting to see, you know, additional trends kind of driving that, and those trends being lined up with, with Chrome OS capabilities. So I wouldn't say it was due to you know, the the size of the market per, in, in particular. I, I think it's just in terms of when we think about our overall strategy and where we saw uh, our customers really kind of taking the platform. We wanted to really lean into those areas, and so that that's really been the the main driver. Mm-hmm is trying to meet our customers where they are and um, identify areas that have strong product market fit in the enterprise space. And you kind of see that as a reflection of the key, key solution areas that we're investing in, including you know, kiosk and signage now. So when you, when Google as a company takes an interest in, in something like this, how does that manifest itself in, in real terms? Is there like a dedicated team or is this uh, kind of one market that uh, a broader Chrome OS team, you know, pays attention to and, and puts some work into? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, so we, you know, I keep referring to these solution areas and maybe it'll help a little bit because I think that'll help frame um, the, the answer to your question a bit more to talk about what these solution areas are. So a, a few years ago, we, we, we started looking at where we were seeing product market fit and where we were seeing our customers adopt Chrome OS um, beyond education. And really noticed that to deliver a robust solution built on top of this platform, you really needed to have an end-to-end solution that 
customers and organizations knew was just going to work and work really well. And so what that meant was there's really four components to these solution areas. So there's kind of the underlying features and capabilities of the operating system itself. So security, APIs, core functionality that the operating system provides, even for enterprises, uh, things that are unique to the solution areas. And uh, you know I can I can list off a few new features and capabilities that we have as an example that are unique to the kiosk and signage solution area. But that's another part of that. Mm-hmm. The second component is around management. So how how can these solution areas and their administrators and the folks that manage these solutions manage the platform easily. And then there's an ecosystem component to this too. And this is really what I think rounds out our notion of a solution area. An ecosystem includes devices, so endpoints and OEMs, as well as peripherals, and then ISV partners, so solution providers that actually build their products on top of Chrome OS, and we ensure that they're optimized and integrated into into the operating system. So that's what constitutes a solution area. And as we saw increased focus and investment in those solution areas, we started really orienting our teams uh, to deliver against that. On the oper- on the product and engineering side and the UX side within Google, that means that you know, we still rely on broad platform capabilities that are, you can kind of think of more of as foundational layers. But increasingly, we have teams that are focused on delivering features, capabilities, management capabilities specific to solution areas. And we'll talk a little bit about that or what we did for Kiosk. And then in addition to that, we started really uh, focusing our our partner teams on the partners, both the devices, peripherals, as well as ISV partners that we wanted to work with to really bring these solutions to life. And so the increasing focus uh, around these areas, and we're we're really organizing ourselves kind of across the stack to really deliver uh, towards these uh, these solutions. Mm -hmm. So you have this Chrome Enterprise recommended track, quote unquote, for kiosk and digital signage. Uh, when I saw that, I, I wasn't familiar with it, and I thought, okay, well, they've created this. But in, in doing a little bit of digging, it looks like you you have Chrome Enterprise recommended tracks in other areas already. So this is kind of something you already do, and you've added on digital signage and kiosks. Yeah, that's exactly right. the The solution tracks that you saw prior to the recent announcement for the kiosk uh, track. We're really built around the end user computing uh, growth that we were seeing in the last several years that I was alluding to earlier. Mm-hmm. And very recently, uh, you know, last week, we announced the um, kiosk and signage Chrome Enterprise recommended solution track. And so nine partners that uh, we, we worked with, their solutions are validated, they're optimized, they're integrated into Chrome OS. That means that our partner engineering teams have worked with these, these organizations to ensure that everything that they build on, on our platform works. They're regression tested, every release that comes out. So we're, we're really kind of tightly working with these, these organizations. And we only expect, especially in the, the kiosk and signage space, this, uh, this category to grow over the coming quarters and years. And, and the, the, this whole validation process, is, is that to keep your engineers sane? Or is it, uh, in certain respects, a, a marketing tool to say this is kind of Google approved and Google validated? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a bit of both actually. It's it's you know we actually go through and test these solutions within our own test labs, and then these providers uh, also will be testing their solutions with every Chrome OS release, and as a result of that, then we badge these providers, these ISV partners of ours, and that badge effectively uh, denotes that um, that that level of confidence for any organization that's going to adopt an end-to-end solution. 
And do, do the, like some of the companies that are involved in this are pretty small in relative terms. Do, do they, are they getting involved because to, to use a, a terminal colleague of mine used to use uh, to bask in reflected glory that, you know, we're working with Google or have they, have they made a, a business decision based on the technology that this is where things are going and we want to get ahead of it? Yeah, I, I, you know, I've spoken to many of these partners, and um, really, a lot of it boils down to their alignment, either from a business or technology standpoint, that they want to really align their solutions with the platform that they feel is going to help them scale their business. Uh, these are organizations that are typically developing, you know, web-based applications that are lightweight, robust, and work well on Chrome as as kind of a web-based operating system. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Security is a big concern for them, and it, I think it's a growing concern in the signage space. We've spoken to many customers about, you know, having concerns about their screens being taken over sure. by, uh, you know, you have more and more screens in your physical spaces, your brand and your operations are, are potentially at risk. And so a lot of these partners kind of align to, to that element of Chrome. And I think the simplicity in being able to remotely uh, manage devices. That's another area that these partners have really embraced and, and benefited from. So I think it's really around looking at what technology and platform they want to align with. And um, that's where we've started our conversations with them. And, you know, as, as you kind of mentioned, um, you know, they represent a specific segment of the market. And, and I think over the coming quarters and years, we'll really look to add more um, partners to our kiosk and signage Chrome Enterprise recommended track. Hi, I'm Jeremy Gavin, CEO of ScreenFeed. Now, I'm not put off by the fact that you're not listening to this podcast to hear me. Just like audiences to any digital signage, you give your attention to content you find interesting or helpful. That's where my company ScreenFeed comes in. Our sole mission is to make your digital signage network more valuable by making content that is more valuable to your audience. If you'd like to drive more attention to your screens, Visit ScreenFeed.com to explore the 75-plus content options we've created to do just that. And then give us a call. Now, back to the podcast. I got a sense back in 2015 that when um, the the first iteration of this came out and and you had a whole bunch of partners really quickly, that uh, a lot of the energy and interest around Chrome devices was... Uh, here's low low cost management software and relatively low cost uh, playback hardware versus uh, the PCs that were out in the market then, and it was just at a point when you, we were starting to see you know set top boxes and things like that being used. I I sense that's changed that the 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 uh, partner marketplace is a lot more sophisticated, and as you've alluded to, they're looking more at Things like security and ease of management. One hundred percent. That that is that is absolutely right. the The landscape has has shifted dramatically, and the the kiosk and signage landscape um, has shifted in particular dramatically. I think in the last you know eighteen to to twenty four months, really, kind of emerging out of the pandemic as well. And I think it, it was it was it was shifting before, and mm-hmm. then I think you know what happened was that a lot of physical spaces started really being underutilized during the early part of the pandemic. But then that really set customer expectations and business expectations a lot around how they can use technology to really digitally transform their businesses. 
And so as people started moving back into physical spaces, customers started moving back into physical spaces, it came with a fervor that uh, I think has, has really accelerated some interesting opportunities in, in the signage space. Opportunities and threats too, as you mentioned, security and, and uh, data protection, and these things are, are becoming more and more um, of a concern. Updating, I mean, if you have more screens and more kiosks in your physical space, the kind of traditional operating systems that were being used don't lend themselves well to that, right? They don't well lend themselves well to uh, being updated being patched, being managed remotely. I think we've all seen you know, blue screens in airports and, and you know, different types of signs before. That's becoming more and more challenging, just kind of the reliability and remote management. So as these trends are starting to really put pressure, I think on a lot of businesses, that's where um, you know Chrome OS is starting to really be considered more and more as a robust platform that can really help accelerate kind of the next phase of digital transformation in these physical spaces. So I get the argument for Windows and you know the, the, the bloatware and the crap on there and the, the updates you can't control and all those sorts of things. It's, it's less of an issue with Linux, uh, but there, there's still an issue? Yeah, Linux is, you know, it's, it's an interesting, interesting platform. We, we don't see it too much ourselves, mm-hmm. but... Um, I think one of the challenges with Linux has to do with that it can do anything you really want it to, but in order to get it to do what you want, it takes a lot of tuning, a lot of configuration, a lot of setup. And so I think that that's, you'll, you'll be spending the cost, um, as an organization on, on either building up the technical capacity and know how to do that and really piecemealing a solution together. And at some point you're probably going to ask yourself, is it, is it worth it for our business to really become a Linux expert for Mm -hmm. our digital signage and kiosk strategy. Is that really core to driving the customer experience or should we rely on a, on a platform like Chrome OS to, to give us a lot of that as, as part of its core capability. And and if you're using something like Chrome OS uh, as a software firm, is, is there less demand to be, uh, to have exp- in-house expertise around an operating system if you're using something like Chrome versus a Linux? Y- yeah, I, I would say that that's one of the common um, benefits that we've seen. You know, recently I spoke to a, uh, I think it was a, a retailer uh, abroad in, uh, in Asia, and they were saying that they saw an 80% reduction in staff having to focus on updates and management of the platform itself. And, mm. and I actually asked the question because I wasn't sure if they said 80 or 18% because 80 sounded right. sound really st- startling. And in fact, they said, no, 80%. And now these individuals have, an, they're, they're effectively being focused on higher order um, capabilities with or higher order needs within the organization rather than just going out and servicing screens and devices that needed to be updated they're focusing more on higher value business objectives. And so absolutely, I think this is one of the areas where businesses need to ask themselves, is this core or is it context? It means core to obviously incorporate digital signage and service options within your business, but is it core for your organization to understand exactly how an operating system is gonna work? One of the arguments uh, that BrightSign makes, uh, they're a spin out of Roku and 
the CEO is saying that one of the reasons there's a lot of attraction to our hardware is we don't really have an operating system. It's our own proprietary operating system. So there's nothing to really hack. There's nothing you can do with it. What, what's I, I understand the, the risk with Windows and to a lesser degree with uh, Linux. But are, you do harden Chrome, but what, are there ways in? And if there are, please explain them to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, th- that's actually one of the areas that I, I think we have a very strong track record around. Um, and, I, and I will add that systems will get compromised over time. Mm-hmm. And unless you have a, a security team, a large, robust security team actively monitoring and ensuring that exploits and vulnerabilities are going to be patched consistently, the, the, that turnaround time needs to be very quick. And that's exactly what we do uh, on, on the Chrome OS side. And I, I think you can look at our track record. We have zero ransomware um, uh, attacks ever reported on Chrome OS. It's also another uh, component that um, if you double click into the security piece of, of Chrome OS is really baked into the operating system. Many other operating systems out there will think about security kind of as a bolt-on afterthought. Mm-hmm. It's, it's core to exactly how Chrome OS works. So like executable files, I'll give you a couple of examples. Executables are blocked from running on the operating system. Just They're just blocked. And so right. that's a huge vector of, of vulnerability that is just removed entirely. Uh, timely security updates, like I was talking about before, we have the ability to roll out updates on a four-week cycle. Even if you're part of our long-term stable channel, so so organizations that don't choose to get four-week updates on the operating system, they want to actually get six-month updates instead. Even if you're on that six-month long-term stable support channel, we will still roll out critical security updates to you. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. Right. And again, we have a whole team of people that are watching and monitoring uh, what kind of vulnerabilities are out there on a consistent basis. And I'll, I'll mention one more thing really quickly. And, and that is that um, you know the operating system files are kept in a complete separate partition. So they can't be modified at all, even with kiosk apps. Let's say your mm-hmm. app is hacked in some way or there's a vulnerability in the application that you're building. Um, the operating system itself is hardened and entirely isolated from from the application uh, application session itself. There's just a handful of of things to think about. Um, I think any chief information security officer or CIO or organization that's really looking at security needs to evaluate it broadly. And we have a lot of great material that can tell you uh, beyond what I've said here why Chrome OS is is a very hardened and safe operating system. I suspect you've also learned a lot through the years too. I know that uh, some of the companies who were early on with Google using Chrome OS, they were frustrated by uh, new versions that would break their software. And you know, the, I, I think you got to a point pretty quickly where you started to pin the OS versions and some a company could stay on that until they're ready to move to the next one instead of being auto-updated. Yeah, and and we we have learned a lot over the last uh, you know several years, um, and and you you bring up a good point. One of the design principles that we really try to anchor on when you think about what a business wants, they want they want predictability and control. They want to know when things are going to change. They want to have the control to be able to mm-hmm. um, initiate those changes, even if you know we have this release train rolling out great new updates, security updates, new features. As a business, you want to be able to throttle that. 
And yeah, we have a number of different controls that have allowed organizations to do that. Um, at long-term stable and support channel, which I mentioned, expands the actual stable channel that the operating system is on for um, you know, six months. So that's, that, that was a big one that we announced earlier this year. But in addition to that, the ability to, um, like you said, pin different application versions, uh, be able to know exactly when you want to roll those out. There's a number of other controls that allow you to better understand how you're going to update your fleet. So tell me about Flex. Ah, we're super excited about Flex. So that was one of the, um, there were three big announcements we had around CER. The first one was the um, the Chrome Enterprise recommended solution track that, that you alluded to earlier. The second one was a brand new SKU that's focused specifically on kiosk and digital signage. And, and we can get to that in a moment too. Mm-hmm. And the third one was was the incorporation of Flex. So Flex is um, something that we announced earlier this year. And what it allows organizations to do is install Chrome OS on any device they already have. So if you have an existing investment, say in Windows devices, they're aging, you're not sure when you're going to refresh them, maybe you want to refresh part of them, but you you want to get the benefits of Chrome OS, the security, the built-in updates, you know, everything we've been talking about thus far, remote management, you can now install Chrome OS Flex on those devices and get all of the uh, benefits from Chrome OS. And so we've seen that as a really interesting opportunity in the kiosk space as many customers are starting to use that as an onboard onto Chrome OS. So they'll maybe extend the life of their existing infrastructure for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then you know we'll see them roll onto Chrome devices in the future. But we've also seen organizations um, look at Chrome OS Flex as a way to really tailor what they want in terms of device capabilities for their uh, signage solutions based on the breadth of different hardware and endpoints that exist out there today. So for example, if you wanted an existing uh, device that is not a Chrome OS device, either based on the aesthetics of it, based on the form factor, other- other, um, Performance, uh, whatever. Performance, is it ruggedized, fanless, Mm -hmm. et cetera? You can look at that and now say, well, I want to use that device. It's not a Chrome OS device, but with Flex, now I can kind of transform that into a a Chrome OS device and incorporate it into my overall device strategy. So why can you extend the life? Is that because it's a leaner application and strips out a lot of stuff? It's because we're able to um, really look at the hardware and kind of separate the hardware from the software. And so rather than relying on, you know, Microsoft's operating system support and and when that's going to be EOL'd or when the device itself be, uh, becomes EOL'd, end of life, uh, okay. Chrome OS Flex allows us to effectively say, look, that's an endpoint and we're going to separate the software and the operating system from the actual device components as an organization, there kind of creates an abstraction layer for you to, to to utilize Flex as a way to you know extend the life of that that infrastructure. And I, I assume you could also run a blended network as well, so that you could have Chrome OS devices and uh, re- refurbed Windows or reclaimed Windows devices as Flex devices and run run concurrently. You don't have to have a network that's just all uh, pure Chrome OS devices. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And and that's what we're starting to see with many of our customers who will start with Chrome OS Flex, but then we'll say, you know, a lot, a lot of, organ- especially large organizations, they don't necessarily have one device on one operating system or one endpoint on one operating system. They have a plethora of them. 
And these devices might be on different refresh and end of life cycles. So when there might be one coming up, say, end of next year, Chrome OS Flex is a great way to evaluate, you know, Chrome OS capabilities. Most of the time, customers uh, overwhelmingly are, are happy with Chrome OS and start using that as an onboarding mechanism for other Chrome devices, mm. or then rolling out Flex to other parts of their fleet that might be um, end of lifing in subsequent years. And so during that time, they will have, uh, like you said, kind of a hybrid model of Chrome OS devices as well as Flex devices. And you can absolutely manage those through through uh, you know the single single pane of glass, be it a partner pane of glass, one of the the nine partners that we just announced, or even our own admin console. Right. Uh, you mentioned a new SKU. What is that? Yeah, we're we're very excited about that. So um, the new SKU is called the Kiosk and Signage Upgrade, and what it does is it unlocks uh, all of the signage capabilities that you you want that, that an organization wants but none of the none of anything else that you need and 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 what i mean by that is that you know chrome os is an operating system that serves end user computing as well as signage on the end user computing side you need capabilities to manage users user profiles logins different types of login modalities but on the signage side you don't really need that right you you even if there's end user interaction there's a lot of user modes and user capabilities that are not part of that overall management okay, so because and, it's kind of a dumb endpoint in in a, a hell of a lot of cases i wouldn't use the word dumb but it because it is an endpoint <laughs> yes it, it is an endpoint it's a headless endpoint effect a narrow purpose device yeah, a highly focused uh, endpoint and as a result of that you you we tailored a skew which is $25 per device per year. So that's half off the two, two bucks a month, basically. Enterprise SKU, right? And um you're with and for that, you get you know this 50% off SKU and very focused functionality. Still gives you all the security, all the device controls, cloud management, reporting and insights. You just don't get the user controls that you get with um the Chrome Enterprise upgrade SKU, and that's kind of the full SKU. And but if, if you did want those user controls for whatever reason it may be, could you use those and could you run a blended network with both kinds of licenses? Absolutely. And, and okay. we, have, we have a lot of customers that, that, that are doing exactly that. And one thing that came up a few years ago, uh, there, there was some buzz around it, but I don't know where it went, was the, the, there, there was chatter that Android, which is pretty widely used in digital signage as well, was going to converge with Chrome OS and it was kind of going to be the same thing that didn't really happen or did i miss it <laughs> uh no it didn't happen i it was you know i i've been on the team for seven years so i'm not sure if what you're referring to is before my time but we we do have um you know, we do have android and chrome os as, as a company two operating systems that mm-hmm. um serve different parts of the overall market now you're right that there's is going to be some overlap. Uh, we see Android in, in the signage space, we see Android uh, focusing a little bit more on um, kind of mobile kiosk type of use cases. So mm-hmm. um, a customer associate in a store walking around with a tablet style device. Right, a line buster. Exactly. So things along those lines. Whereas Chrome OS feels like it's a bit more uh, you know, focused on kind of fixed facility types of infrastructure. And so um, that's kind of how we see the segmentation um, today. Uh, and, and, you know, we're obviously work very closely with the Android team. 
Um, but you know, over time, I, I think you know, as things evolve somewhat organically, if there are opportunities to bring bring these two capabilities or two operating systems together, um, you know, that's something that we will consider. But but today we see kind of a, a pretty natural segmentation. One thing I will add is that if you you, you were talking about uh, managing kind of a blended environment with the Chrome OS capabilities and Android management capabilities, many organizations are managing both Chrome OS and Android endpoints through their UEM mm-hmm. um, universal endpoint management solutions. So that that is kind of a way that these two um, solutions can coexist even today. Right. Okay. Uh, this has been great. We could have talked for, or at least I could have talked for an hour or more, but uh we committed to a certain time window, so I should I should honor it. Uh, the, the last question I wanted to ask is just very simply, if software companies and solution providers want to get involved or at least look into this, how, how do they start? Yeah, so you can go to our website. We have a lot of great information on our website. Uh, for customers, we have, you know, wayfinding guide. We have information about, uh, you know, the, the different solutions that we have for kiosk in terms of, of both devices that they can use as endpoints, as well as peripherals that they can also um, utilize. On the partner side, on the solution provider side, um, get in contact with our business development team. I know we are actively looking at uh, working with more and more partners. You know, I mentioned earlier that we we listed nine, Araya, AppSpace, Comin, Meld, CX, Signage Live, Stratos Media, Trison, Upshow, Wand Digital, that's just a starting point. And um, what we've seen is that on the solution provider and ISV side, that as you scale out globally, th- there is a lot of kind of localized uh, partners that do a lot of work mm-hmm. in different regions. And so we expect this area to really uh, build out significantly over the coming uh, coming years. So get in touch with our, our BD team and our business development team and be happy to work with you, figure out ways to incorporate you into our uh, Chrome Enterprise Recommended Program. As, as you dug into this, were you surprised by how many CMS software companies are out there? Yeah, I, I absolutely <laughs> was, especially considering you know where we where we were just five years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it seems like this has been one of the areas where we've seen a lot of hyper specialization and hyper localization. Mm-hmm. So unlike unlike other other solution categories, say like contact center as an example you tend to have a number of global players and then a few localized players within each market. In this particular arena, it feel in kiosk and digital signage, it feels very different because you, you look at APAC. I can't even talk about APAC as a market because each country and sometimes even within countries, different uh, specializations with retail versus employee spaces and workspaces um, has created a huge ecosystem around, um, around uh, kiosk and signage. So, Yes, <laughs> long answer um, in, in, in terms of uh, in terms of your original question, but absolutely. Well, that's good for me because uh, a crowded market means there's more to write about <laughs> and <great>. talk about. <laughs> All right, uh, thank you very much for spending some time with me. Absolutely, thank you, and I appreciate the time and opportunity, and I look forward to talking to you again at some point. All right. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 69 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 169 is not a press release republishing mill like a lot of the stuff out there. 
If something makes it on 16.9, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 16.9 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog, and the podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.